It is a great honor to welcome to the studio Rabbi Ephraim Behold. Rabbi Ephraim Behold, back in 1987, established NJOP. At one time, it was known as the National Jewish Outreach Program. It's now known as NJOP. They have a big dinner coming up in February, and that gives us an opportunity to explore a whole bunch of topics with Rabbi, Rabbi Ephraim Buchwald here at JM in the AM. Rabbi Buchwald, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much, Nachum. I can't believe that I'm here in the gold studios. Oh, my God. I listen to your program every single day on the way to shul and the way back from shul. And uh, I'm a big follower of yours, uh, aside from the fact that I have the connection with Rabbi Yoel Schoenfeld, who is my machutin. That's right. Aside from the fact that I go back, uh, have roots to the Mizrahi Shul, my father-in-law is Meish Stein. Right. And my brother-in-law is uh, Matti Stein and Shimmy Stein. So I'm connected to you in many, many ways. To say the least. And uh, and you knew my late brother very well. That's correct. And in addition God to that, bless. we know each other for close to 40 years. That's probably true. We, Which is unbelievable. And our children went to the same school, Manhattan That's Day School. You knew my son, you did, yeah? That's right. The con- wow. The connections are incredible. Uh, Rabbi Buchwald, it's an honor to have you here. And uh, we're, we're going to take a moment, because you mentioned to me that uh, off the air that you knew him. Um, coincidentally, uh, we're here to discuss... Uh, Kiruv and uh, Enjop, and uh, yesterday the Jewish community lost her by David Winiars, one of many people out there that are really unsung heroes when it comes to the world of outreach, and he's somebody that you knew. And well, I had the privilege of knowing Rab David, and uh, he was an extraordinary, extraordinary person. First of all, he wasn't a professional. He had mm-hmm. a job aside from uh, the Kiruv. Um, he uh, did this all as a volunteer, and he reached many, many people. He was a lovely neshama, and uh, he will be greatly missed. No question about it. Just uh, the community, and obviously his family, just starting to deal with this tremendous tragedy. His funeral takes place this morning at 9.30 in the morning at the Young Israel of Staten Island. So you have gone ahead, uh, unbeknownst to me, and change the official name of the National Jewish Outreach Program to NJOP. And the reason you told me off the air is because today, outreach is somewhat of a skeptical word. Explain what you mean. Correct. Outreach implies that you're reaching out to another person so that you can give them of what you have to them. Right. But there's no reciprocation, that you don't get anything from them. So to a certain extent, this is a dirty word. Hmm. And that's why we talk about Jewish engagement today rather than outreach. Because that reflects the two-way relationship, so to speak. The give and take, the give and take. And we're dealing with an entirely different type of constituency than we were 20, 30 years ago. And we have to acknowledge that. And that's one of the problems that we have in the evolution of Kiruv today. And that is that um, with the breakdown of of synagogue life, especially the conservative and reform movement, uh, the young people today no longer have those Jewish experiences that the previous generation had. Every Jewish kid had a bar mitzvah. Right. Every Jewish kid was in a synagogue for right. Shoshana Yom Kippur. Every Jewish kid ate kosher at one point. Today, Jewish kids don't have bar mitzvahs. Jewish kids never learned to read Hebrew. Jewish kids have no connection to Shabbos. Would have no idea what to do if they walked into a synagogue. Absolutely not. And that's why... Uh, to reach out to them in the conventional ways, let's say like through a, a Shabbat across America or to read Hebrew there, invite them to read Hebrew or to invite them for Shabbos experience. They don't have that connection today. The connection today is really through social media. Right. And that's why NJAP has expanded to become one of the big movers in Jewish social media. We have thousands and thousands of followers. Uh, we have... Uh, 
250,000 impressions a day from the emails that we send back and forth. It's Whoa. like an, incre- an incredible thing. And that's the only way to reach those people. The question is, how do we turn that into tachlis? How do you get them to come into a synagogue? How do you get them to learn Hebrew mm-hmm. eventually? That's the challenge that we're facing today. Is that step any easier? Meaning, because it's so much easier to reach people now, social media, sound bites, you know, some of the things you just suggested, is it then easier to get them from that step into the synagogue, or it's just the opposite, it's much more difficult? No, it's much more difficult, because Kiruv, Jewish engagement, really takes place on a personal level, right. face-to-face. And it can be done over the web, although you can establish relationships, you can create so-called friends right. on Facebook and on Twitter. But if you're not a real friend. But if you're not a real they friend. They ain't, quote, unquote, following you to show. <laughs> Correct. The amazing thing is that this cohort, this constituency that's following us is um, about uh, 80% of them are between the ages 20 and 40. About 80% of them are married. of them have children. Wow. So that means that this is a generation that's seeking connection, Mm -hmm. probably because they're establishing families and want to raise their children in a Jewish way. Rabbi Ephraim Buchwald is here. So if we go back 40 years and the establishment of the Beginner's Minion, Lincoln Square Synagogue, why did people show up for that? Why, when you announced that there'd be a beginner service and in X number of weeks, you could... (coughs) Excuse me. You can become familiar with what the liturgy is all about and what our tradition is all about. Why'd they go for it then? Well, the story is a fascinating story. Uh, Most people know about the history of Lincoln Square Synagogue, that it eventually became like the magnet to draw people. We had 1,500 people a week coming to classes at Lincoln Square Synagogue. Yeah, and we talk about singles or plenty of marrieds as well. Oh, my God. You had uh, 1,200, 1,300 people coming every single Shabbos. Rabbi Riskin approached me in the early 70s. I came to the synagogue in 1972, and he asked me if I would run the overflow minion, because once they opened up the new synagogue, which is now the old synagogue, um, it was overcrowded the first Shabbos. And people were sitting on the steps and the fire department came and they said you couldn't do that. And he asked me to read an over, read, to run an overflow service. And I wasn't interested. At that time I was teaching a class, an introduction to Bible class or Pasha Seshavua class on Tuesday mornings. And, uh, professional people generally didn't come, but there was one couple that came. His fellow was named Steve Reich and his girlfriend then Beryl co-wrote. Well, Steve Rice turned out to be one of the world's most famous composers today. And today he's an observant Jew with Beryl. And it's an amazing story. And he said to me, if you run a beginner service where you'll explain the davening, I and Beryl will come. I will come. And that's what happened. And it was me, Beryl Corrote, Steve Reich, and another accountant by the name of Steve Reich. Steve Reich. The, so, four, the so, four of us. So it was consumer driven. The four of us. This was the people demanding it. Right. And upstairs was the greatest show uh, with Sherwood Goffin and, right. and, and Shlomo Riskin. Right. And the place was pa- packed. Who was going to come to a beginner service? Who was going to come mm-hmm. to a service where um, we're ta- calling them beginners, a pejorative name to begin with? Well, some people started coming. Some crazy guy came in every other week with a, on roller skates and with a tennis racket and said, how do I know that there's God? And that's, but eventually it caught on and more people came. And then the New York Times got wind of it and did a front page second section story on it on a Saturday. And the rest was history. It was standing room only. We limited it to 15, to 50 people. And 
Over the years, about 15,000 people have gone through the beginner service over the last 39 years. This is the 39th year that I'm running it. Unbelievable. I've been a beginner's rabbi for 39 years, trying to become a real rabbi. <laughs> One of these days, I'm going to become a real rabbi. What is it like today? Is it similar in number? Is it similar in the type of service that you run? Well, today, it's still holding and going strong, which is an amazing thing. You're because, meeting new people constantly? And new people are coming every single week. Uh, the constituents have changed. Primarily because there are beginner services all over the West Side. One of the things right. that NJOP did was to establish beginner services. Right. So there are, there are services all over the place, especially Mark Wilds with MJE right. has created Amazing a job. special place for young people. Mm-hmm. And we're very, very proud of him. So the, the population of the beginner service at Lincoln Square Synagogue is an older one. And I would say about a third of them are people who are studying to be Jewish. Mm. In other words, potential converts, most of them not for the reason of marriage, okay? Very few of them for the sake of marriage. These are Goyim, non-Jews, who have decided that uh, they want to embrace Judaism for one reason or another. Sometimes they have Jewish heritage, and uh, they are absolutely astounding and amazing and enriching. This is a separate topic, a phenomenon that we could discuss uh, for hours, which is, why so many people today? Because usually, historically, an era where Jews are looked upon as, you know, in a very favorable light, or you know, uh, where, where the obvious, where there is an obvious connection to God, whether it's miracles of the land of Israel, other things that go on, people have an affinity and really want to become Jewish. Why this era has become very similar to that would be an interesting conversation. We've also had like a very special people. Everybody who comes there is a special person. But we have uh, the CEO of Raymore and Flanagan who hmm. comes in from Syracuse like once a month to attend. We have um, the, a guy who has just declared one of the top 50 businessmen in the world um, who uh, – uh, is an, he was the co-president of Morgan Stanley, and now he's uh, establishing a new division of Blackstone. Amazing, amazing person. Hmm. And we have these types of people who come in. Um, they spend uh, a year or two at the beginner service, and they go on uh, living a productive Jewish life, impacting upon the rest of their families and Judaism in general. Rabbi Ephraim Buchwald, director of NJOP. A lot of rabbis in your situation would have passed on that Lincoln Square Synagogue Beginners Minion to concentrate more on the, you know, on, on other things that have developed over the years because NJOP's become a real force, obviously, and it's a very large operation at this point. Uh, but you have not done that. You feel it's important to be in the, in the bunker, uh, with the grassroots operation every single week. Well, at one point I approached Rabbi Riskin and I said, uh, Rabbi Riskin, uh, you have the most successful synagogue in America. But the tragedy of Lincoln Square Synagogue is that there's only one Lincoln Square Synagogue. Mm. Why don't we try to replicate it throughout the country? Right. We've developed these incredible programs, Turn Friday Night into Shabbos, The Beginner's Service, uh, Crash Course in Hebrew Reading. Let's replicate All started at Lincoln Square. All started at Lincoln Square. So let's replicate. He says, it's a great idea, but I'm moving to Israel. <laughs> that was in 1980. That was 83, right. he said that. And it took me four years to get the courage to leave full-time employee at Lincoln Square Synagogue and to start the beginner service. I had no experience in fundraising start or anything. I start, start correct. Right. Start NJAP, National Jewish Outreach Program at that time. And I had no fundraising experience. It was uh, very, very scary. My wife was very brave to go along with <laughs> me and uh, my poor children. And um, we hoped that in our first year, that was 1987, that we would reach about 800 people and teach them Hebrew. And we came up with these um, very incredible... Uh, slogans, and we started 800 numbers, 1-800-44-Hebrew, right. 1-800-44-Torah. Your ads uh, were a big right. attraction. And we had 
uh, jingles on the radio. Right. Jingles on the radio. Uh, being Jewish is just right. the beginning. And we ran this jingle for the Hebrew Reading Crash Course throughout the country. And 5,000 people responded. 5,000. And we said, I know we're onto something then. And then we worried, what would these same people who took the Hebrew Reading Crash Course be interested in something more Jewish? Because Hebrew is just cultural. Right. So we offered them the opportunity to take the Crash Course in basic Judaism. Five lessons you'll never forget. Belief in God. Prayers, Shabbat, Jewish observance, sexuality, and 3,000 people stopped, signed up for that. So we knew we were on to something. Since then, we've taught a quarter of a million people how to read Hebrew. Um, they, thousands have taken the crash course in basic Judaism. Uh, 900,000 have come to the Shabbat experience. We're expecting our one millionth person to turn Friday night, turn Friday night Shabbos on March 13th this year. Uh, it's actually called Shabbat Across America. Right. And um, we've reached about 1.4 million North Americans. That means, in terms of individuals, about 700,000 individuals. 700,000. That's 10% of the North American Jewish community have come, come and had positive, joyous Jewish experiences. And you know what? A lot of these people start going to synagogues. Mm-hmm. They start attending because they feel inadequate when they go in without knowing how to read Hebrew. But now they know how to read Hebrew. They feel firm and 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 uh, they're they're assured of themselves going into the synagogue instead of being embarrassed. Everybody, Brian Buchwald is here. A couple of technical questions: Can one, in fact, learn to read Hebrew in five lessons? Absolutely. Really? Hebrew is. Who a, discovered this? That Hebrew, it can be done so quickly. Hebrew is a phonetic language. It's a phonetic language, much easier than than English. And we have an incredible system that was developed by our expert Florence Weiner, hmm. whom you might know, Coach Weiner's. Daughter-in-law, right. remember? Coach sure. Wiener from Highline. Sure. In any case, um, it it teaches you through mnemonic devices. So, for instance, uh, um, the bed has a ball in it. The bed has a vacuum in it. The Ted has a tear in it. The mem has a mound in it. Mm. And through this chart, this incredible chart, um, you can memorize or you can master the Hebrew alphabet in one setting. And by the end of the first session, you could be reading Hebrew. By the end of the first session. And the feeling of reading Hebrew, of saying Baruch Atah, or Matovu or Halecha. Yeah, being able to follow along. Is like an incredible thing. The fact that you're able to make a blessing over the Hanukkah candles, or uh, something for the Seder, right. empowers you. Of course. And the fact that you're empowered... Uh, brings you back to the synagogue. Any, I, any legends among the first Hebrew teachers of the Hebrew course, or nobody else well, I've heard of? There are a lot of legends. We have we have seven thousand volunteer teachers. Seven thousand volunteer teachers, and that is something that we're very very proud of because unless we mobilize the committed community, you can't reach the non-committed. Right. And it's these thousands and thousands of volunteer teachers. Not only that. But NJOP is the only outreach organization, I don't want to say outreach, engagement organization, that is welcomed in non-Orthodox synagogues. Because if you can't get into those non-Orthodox synagogues, you're not reaching... And I'm sure that was a very, uh, how do I put it, a very questionable decision on your part that was met with a lot of reaction when, when, in fact, you first did that. That is a story in and of itself that (laughs) one of these days I'm going to write up. But we were firmly condemned when we first ran Shabbat across America. In a non-Orthodox uh, In non-Orthodox things. Because in the first couple of years, we only did it in Orthodox settings right. and very 
uh, traditional conservative sending. Right. But then we needed to go into the non-Orthodox synagogues. How do we do that? Our posek, Reb David Kohn, together with uh, Reb Zelig Epstein, all of a shalom, uh, drew up uh, guidelines for us of how, how to go it. into these synagogues and do it. And that made the big difference. The fact that we had these two posts in behind us made an incredible difference. Otherwise, I would have been uh, lying out here in Jersey City, you know, <laughs> who knows doing what. Excuse me. Rabbi Ephraim Buchwald is here. We will talk about the end job dinner coming up on February the 3rd. Finding this conversation fascinating, frankly. On the basic, um, what do you call it? Basic concept of Judaism? What do you call it? Basic Judaism. Basic Judaism. Is that something that, I mean, obviously anybody who I guess um, has, you know, any full yeshiva education could be a volunteer on the Hebrew side. Can thousands of volunteers volunteer for the basic Judaism? And that already you need some experts to in order to present that uh, course. Well, we have everything laid out for the teachers. In other words, we even have the jokes and the songs <laughs> uh, to teach the Hebrew reading. Okay, And anybody who can read Hebrew can teach Hebrew. Of course, a lot has to do with the personality. So, for instance, a lot of people said the reason that beginner service at Lincoln Square Synagogue is successful because Bookwald was leading it. Right. Every Bookwald is leading it. <laughs> That's not true. Okay? George Rohr. The great God George bless Rohr. him. Okay? Sure. The God bless him. Great George, beginner's man. George Rohr at KJ right. has the biggest beginner's service on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, 600 people. <sighs> 600 people coming. Okay? And George... Um, I don't want to embarrass him, but he doesn't sing that well, okay? <laughs> but he has a great personality. He is um, he he spends a lot of time investing in preparing, and he and Rabbi uh, uh, Eli are unbelievable. A team together that uh, have created a great constituency there, and really, it's uh, one of the great showpieces of Jewish engagement today. And just to answer my question about the volunteers for the basic Judaism course, basically what you're saying then is just like a beginner's minion syllabus would be laid out for anybody, uh, for everybody who's familiar with it. Uh, same thing with the basic Judaism course. It would be, it's all there for you. We have guidebooks. We have videotapes. Right. Um, we have CDs. The problem is they can't tell over the same personal funny stories that I tell. Okay, <laughs> so you have to create your own uh, legends and what, uh, but, but you need to have a background. And anybody who's been in our community for a number of years, they'll have plenty of stories to tell, won't they? Absolutely. That's for sure. By our fine behold this year, the dinner is coming up February the 3rd at the New York Hilton in Midtown Manhattan, celebrating 27 years of NJOP. And uh, you are, uh, I don't even know where to start. You have, we have so much information about what's going to be happening that night. Why don't we begin with uh, some of the honorees? They're going to be recognized that evening. Well, we have a, a great lineup. Uh, our guest of honor is a woman by the name of Michelle Dome. Mm. Uh, that name might strike a bell for some oh, yeah. people because her father, Sam Dome, is the legendary philanthropist. And the entire family are really extraordinary people. Every one of them. Michelle. Great friends, uh, gives of, Man- a, great friends of Manhattan Day Manhattan School. Manhattan Day School, right. absolutely. Uh, uh, Michelle has given herself to so many causes. And she is really an example of... Young leadership that uh, gets into the driver's seat and doesn't stop until the job is done. And she's going to be receiving the first Ellie and Israel Krakowski Award. Um, Ellie and Israel Krakowski passed away last year, right. and we had a memorial for them at our dinner. And their children, uh, Harry and Lily, have uh, endowed an honor 
an award that's going to be given to Michelle at this uh, first at this dinner. Um, also, there are two foundations, extraordinary foundations: the Applebaum Foundation and the Ullendorf Memorial Foundation, uh, friends of Enjop that have been supporting Enjop for many many years. Um, Lila uh, Applebaum passed away this year, and uh, the Applebaum Foundation has given away millions to uh, health and Jewish education and Israel and poverty uh, and over the years, and we're offering a tribute to them. Nice and, to see prominent uh, foundations recognize your work. And to the Ullendorf Foundation. Nice. And uh, actually, the Ullendorfs came to the beginning service. Uh, Uli, Henry... They themselves. Yeah, Henry Ullendorf uh, was actually, we taught them we taught him how to make Kiddush, and we have a video of him making Kiddush. He was a German Jew... Um, who didn't have a religious background. His wife, Regina, uh, may she be well, um, st- continues to be a friend of ours and supporting us. In addition, we have two young leadership awardees, and that's uh, Rachel Gutman, uh, Gutman and Chava Makaba. Um, Rachel is very, very interesting because she's a farmer's daughter, and she's married to a cattle dealer mm-hmm. in Baltimore. So that's very unusual in the Orthodox Jewish community, <laughs> correct? That, okay. And Chava Makaba and her husband are Irish. Irish Jews who live in Israel. Like and, the Herzogs. Right. And, <laughs> and are in America now because of business. But uh, Chava, before she moved to Israel, uh, came from Ireland to America and found herself in the beginner service. And uh, now she's the mother of two, and uh, she will be given an award. Now, most interesting of all, even though everybody is fascinating, is Rabbi Greg Wall. Oh, one of our favorites. Okay. Rabbi Greg Wall. we got to get him on the air. Is a world-renowned uh, woodwind yep. person. Okay. Saxophone, flute, sure. uh, um, Trumpet, clarinet, uh, clarinet, oh, and clarinet. Unbelievable. And he's a very famous... Uh, jazz player, mm-hmm. and uh, he had little or no background in education, and he took a crash course in Hebrew reading, and that started him on the way to becoming a rabbi. On East 6th Street, they called him the Jazz Rabbi. He's still called the Jazz Rabbi. Now he's a uh, rabbi in Westport, Connecticut. That's and, where he is now. Yeah, and he's being honored as the Special Service Award uh, in memory of Leslie Nelkin, who was a person who went to the beginner service and also passed away at a young age, oh, yeah. uh, unfortunately. And uh, also, I just want to mention Colin Sylvia Fryer. Yes. Uh, Sylvia is an incredible supporter of ours. She's and uh, they, they give the Young Leadership Award that's going to Rachel Gutman and Chava Makaba. Uh, we should get Rabbi Greg Wall to do a solo the night of February the 3rd. He, he's amazing. He's actually going to be performing. You're serious? Yes, he will be performing at the dinner. He is just fabulous. And I didn't realize he's up in Connecticut. I hope we get him on the air soon. Rabbi Ephraim Buchwald is here. We should mention that Shabbat across America and Canada, so I guess we could say Shabbat across North America, will happen on March the 13th. This is when you're going to hit one million participants. And what happens? You need synagogues to sign up. You go recruit. How does it work for people to get involved in Shabbat across America? Well, we have um, regional coordinators who call the synagogues and cajole them, (laughs) beg them to sign up. Actually, it's really one of the most uh, popular national programs um, where we get the thirty to 60,000 Jews on a single night to observe Shabbat. Unbelievable. And the amazing thing is that this program... In order to sponsor this program, you have to commit to 
to sponsoring a Hebrew reading crash course or a basic Judaism crash course. So it's not just that Shabbat experience, right. but also a learning experience is part of it. And um, I'll give you an example. Um, many years ago, we tried to get the largest reform temple in Denver to do this and uh, to do Shabbat across America. Mm-hmm. And uh, we reached the president of the temple in Denver, and he was game. And we said, you know, one of the requirements is that you have to serve kosher food. So he went out to the kosher store in Denver and got a whole bunch of food. And he's coming into the synagogue on Thursday and he meets the rabbi. And the rabbi says, what's this? He says, well, we're doing a small Shabbat across America, sponsored with the National Jewish Outreach Program at that time. And the rabbi said, kosher food in my temple over my dead body. (laughs) And he threw the food out. The president quit and joined the local Chabad. Five years later, same rabbi, same temple, 500 people, Shabbat across America, kosher food. Rabbi Twersky from Denver was the guest speaker. And we worked with the temple, and it became one of the most successful programs And ever. in your estimation, the transformation was because? Because we were working with them, not imposing ourselves didn't on them. Didn't give up on them? No, didn't give up on them, and we just kept plugging away. So so March 13th, is, I mean, I, again, I don't know how it works. Is it? In terms of uh, shuls, is it sold out by now? Like, is it? Do you have your list already, and it's all ready to be printed in the paper? There's plenty of time um, still. We're in the process now, but I believe we're up to 400 synagogues. 400 synagogues—that's an amazing number in terms of uh, uh, the percentages of synagogues in America. People, the rabbis love it because it brings right. outsiders in, and it also brings dormant members in. That's right. the greatest thing about. The Hebrew reading crash goes to Shabbat across America. It brings dormant members in who never come to synagogue. Reignites their right? interest. And, and that's really, um, why it's so popular among the rabbis. All right. So if someone does want to set this up in their synagogue, they can call your office. They can they call 1-800-44-HEBREW right. or 1-888-SHABBAT. Right. Um, either of those numbers will get them to our office and they can become part of this program. They may not get on the huge list that right. we publish each year. It may be too late for that, but uh, may still be under the wire. Right. And um, it's really a, a fantastic program. Um, usually what happens is that there is a somewhat of a beginner's or learner's service first, followed by a Shabbat meal together with a guest speaker. And uh, each synagogue has its own shtick uh, right. in order to attract last year lincoln square synagogue had paul schaefer from ah, the he came yeah from the letterman show did he speak yeah he davens at lincoln square on occasion so and he even comes to daily minion on occasion paul schaefer and he was fabulous he had the people uh, he, he he was really fabulous unbelievable and um uh, it's an amazing experience um for people to experience it um, the president of lincoln square synagogue President of Lincoln Square Synagogue is now Lloyd Epstein and his wife, um, uh, Judy Weil. In 1980, when Lincoln Square ran the first turn Friday night into Shabbos, <laughs> it was in June. We uh, were advertising a Shabbat experience for $4. That means a full chicken meal, <laughs> right, for $4. Everybody in Lincoln Tower signed up. It was sold out, 400 people. I came into the synagogue on Friday before the event. And I see this young man walking out of the shul forlornly. I asked the secretary, what's going on? He says, well, it was sold out for weeks, okay? I ran after him, and I said, why don't you come? Don't worry, we'll find you a seat. He says, but I have a girlfriend. I want to bring her, too. I said, bring her. He's now president of the synagogue. His son is one of the top students in the mirror today. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'll yeah. tell you, you have a million stories like this, I'm sure. Yeah. We had this guy who comes in the beginning service, an elderly person, and... uh 
he sits down in the service and he like falls asleep and he says, I said, what's your name? And he says, uh, my name is Peter, but call me Chuna. Call me Chuna. I said, okay. At the end of the service, he says to me, Rabbi, would you mind if I came back next week? I said, I'd love you to come back next. The next week we had a chillant at the end of the service, mm-hmm. so we had to move next door. And there was a woman at the beginning of the service who was a former rocket, <laughs> a former rocket. And she comes up to me and she says, who's that man there? I said, his name is Peter, but he wants to be called Chuna. She comes back to me. She says, you don't know who that guy is. That guy is the most significant uh, musical director on on Broadway. His music is known all over. He's the greatest choreographer. He's like His name is Peter Howard. And he was the musical director of 42nd Street and Chorus Line and everything. In fact... He was the musical director at Barnum, the Broadway show Barnum. Now, what does the Broadway show Barnum have to do with anything? Well, when we first started the beginning of service, there was an actor, three actors from the Broadway show Barnum yeah. who came to the beginning of service. I know this story. One of them <laughs> was Rabbi Riskin's son-in-law. Eddie Jacobs, right. <laughs> who's <laughs> now Rabbi Riskin's son-in-law right. and is the designer of the Hampton Synagogue. Right. Okay, the Hampton Synagogue. So, Then later on, we had a world-famous cellist who came to the beginning of service, and she said, oh, I cut a record with Peter Howard. It was like unbelievable. We, we could do this all day, and we have so much more to talk about. Rabbi Ephraim Buchold is here. The dinner is February the 3rd, 1-800-44-HEBREW, right? That's one of the numbers I'll get you. 1-800-44-HEBREW. By the way, I don't know if this is a sensitive topic or not. Did you enjoy the Shabbos project? Did you have a... Uh... Absolutely. When I was in South Africa, I think it was um, in 2006, 2008, I met with Rabbi Goldstein and I said, Rabbi, you have to do this in South Africa. I said, you have to do this. And then when they decided to do the project, we were in constant touch with them. Very nice. And uh, hopefully we were of help to them. They've been of help to us. And... Uh, uh, the Shabbat program, you know what we say, Lahagdil Torah, Lahadir. So the every, more, the more, everybody's benefiting from this. So everybody's on the Shabbos team. Thank you. Everybody is on the Shabbos team. A uh, couple of things here. First of all, uh, Jewish treats. What is Jewish treats? Well, Jewish treats is a juicy bit of Judaism daily. Hmm. You can sign up, go to the NJOP website, that's no. NJOP.org, right. and you can sign up to get a message, a brief paragraph or two, every single day during the week, about something Jewish. You already have 50,000 followers. We have 50, we have, uh, subscribers, subscribers and 50,000 yeah. followers on, uh, on Facebook, uh, on, on, on Twitter, on Twitter, on Twitter and, and, uh, uh, all together we have over 50,000 subscribers and that generates the, uh, the, 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 um, busyness on our website, the impressions that come back all day long. We also have a full-time blogger in Texas, uh, Suzanne Rosenhaus, who uh, is blogging all day long with people. She's one of the top Jewish bloggers in the country. We have an editor in Canada, Sarah Rachel Hewitt, who writes the Jewish treats and is an incredible writer. We're also publishing e-books. Um, we're, we have to be a step ahead of the technology. And we have consultants in our organization that's always a step ahead. We recognized what was happening in the Jewish world with the decline of the right. conservative reform movements um, years ago. So we were way ahead. And that's why we're so far ahead in the social media today. And uh, again, not to belabor the point, you were a step ahead and on the cutting edge when it came to marketing in the 80s and 90s as well. And that's why everybody was so enamored 
with the ad campaigns you had, and people enjoyed the Jewish spirit that were that were in the print ads and the we, radio ads. We were on the subways. Right. They we were on it. the back people of buses. We were on billboards right. on the Jersey Turnpike. It was, like, great. It was really great. And I don't but know now... Now everything is through the internet. It's 100%. really amazing. We know that that's where it's at. Uh, so the, the treats, the Jewish treats that you could sign up for, go to njop.org, includes entertainment news, Jewish historical tidbits. Uh, there's a fast day coming up. You'll, you'll remind people to eat before a certain time if they want to get up early to eat. It's, it's a mix of religious, cultural, all different types of uh, uh, information about the Jewish tradition. Everybody loves it, including my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that's important. That is most important. Information about the dinner, February the 3rd. It's 1-800-44-HEBREW, 1-800-44-HEBREW. job continues to accomplish its mission, positive, joyous, and Jewish. That's what they want. Everybody around the country, even the world, to really have a great appreciation and think positively about the Jewish people and about uh, exploring more the tradition of the Jewish people. We have... We have a variety of headlines, or by Buchwald, a variety of headlines out there, not all of them friendly uh, to the Jewish community, many of which, unfortunately, are self-imposed because of different things that are going on out there. So the more positive we can be and the more of a positive message we can give about our tradition and our heritage to both Jew and non-Jew alike is very, very welcome. Amen. Amen. So there you have it. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. End job as strong as ever, it seems. Amen. February 3rd is the night. Happening at the Hilton in New York City, 1-800-44-HEBREW for information. NJOP.org will get you all the info as well. And uh, you'll be able to uh, get that information, attend the dinner, uh, help pay tribute to an amazing list of honorees, and support the work of NJOP, which just continues nonstop. And if you're curious about the next Shabbat Across North America, as we'll call it, since it's Shabbat Across America and Canada, it happens on March the 13th. If your synagogue wants to hop aboard, Again, contact NJOP. They will do their best to make sure that you'll have what you need to make it a successful event. Rabbi Buchwald, I thank you very much. Thank you. More coming up. It's a Monday edition of JM in the AM.